Father, we thank thee for the testimony from thy book, for the testimony of many others who have loved thee and served thee, from the testimony of our own hearts and our own experience that great is thy faithfulness, and thy book has taught us thy faithfulness reacheth unto the clouds. And dear Lord, as we come today, we pray thee that thou wouldst accept our thanks, that we can draw nigh unto thee in the secret place, that we can come before thee in thy sanctuary, and that we can make our sins, our sorrows, our hopes, our desires, and our friends and loved ones and our church a matter of conversation between us and thee. So many of us are here, our Father, today, so many listening and looking over this television broadcast, or telecast, and now there are many who have their disappointments, many who have their sorrows, many who have heartaches, many who have problems which they themselves cannot solve. Some of them stand confused at some crossroads. We pray thee, our Father, that they may go the direction thou dost point, remembering that thou art with them to help them in every place wherever they have to go. We pray thee for thy blessing upon the family bereaved by death. We pray thee for thy blessing upon this fine Christian young athlete who has to have an operation. Give him complete recovery and great strength of body. And bless all who dare to his heart. And now today as we come to make our offerings unto thee, May we rejoice that thou didst give Jesus to die on our behalf. Now, Father, help us to be doers of thy word and not just hearers only. Thy word teaches us to be great men and great women. Keep us from being little in any kind of way. Thy word has taught us to put ourselves out of sight for thy cause. Help us to be willing to do that, that thy cause may glow and grow with great brightness and with great power. Bless these who shall make this offering this morning. Thou dost know the needs of all. Supply those needs according to thy riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And what we feel in asking for these here in this great throng of people in thy house, and for those who look and listen, do thou not fail in giving. And we ask it in Jesus' blessed and holy name. Amen.
shall ever surely find me. Thus saith the Lord. The language of the living is the language that you and I can have hopes of understanding. The language of the living is that language which God speaks to us. And it's wonderful as we think about God's dealing with man, how that God speaks that living language, how in the beginning through the acts of creation God spoke whole worlds into existence. It's wonderful to think of that living word, the spoken word. Wonderful to think of the written word, God's scripture to us, that keeps on speaking, that's sharp, that's strong, that gives wisdom and light and that cleanses and helps us in our understanding of God. But more wonderful than all is the living word that we see in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a great diversity of human language in the world in which we live today. Just to read two or three of the newspapers of the world will acquaint us with the truth and with the fact that there are many various languages. There are thousands of spoken languages and dialects. And how grateful we are to God that there are men who give of themselves, who give hours of the day and days of the week and weeks of the year, and who give years of their existence in finding the adequate word and the adequate term in order to translate God's living word into the li living language of a people. And there are those who go into foreign lands and into the foreign reaches of continents and there amidst people who are small by number and yet speak, they translate the spoken word into a written word and then translate the Bible into that written language where men everywhere might know the story of Jesus. The commonest language in the world today is that spoken in all of its various shades of dialect by the Chinese people. And we are told that 475 millions of people speak the Chinese tongue. Of English, we are told that 265 millions of people speak it. And if you go anywhere in the world knowing either Chinese or English, you can pretty well make yourself understood or understand what somebody is saying to you. The most complex language on the face of the earth is again the Chinese language. We think that it's pretty difficult sometimes to learn the English language with its contradictions and with its exceptions and with its various rules. But we must remember we have but 26 characters in our language, 26 characters that can be learned very easily. And yet the Chinese in all of the various dialects and the shades of tone and of language, the, the written language has over 40,000 different characters. It would take quite a while just to memorize the alphabet. 40,000 different characters spoken by the Chinese people in all of the various dialects. The longest word that we find in English, in the Oxford English dictionary is a 29 letter word it's a very long word and i'm not certain that i'll pronounce it correctly 
Flocinicinicillopilification. That's a long word, 29 letters, and it simply means worthless. Or maybe if you want to use another exceptionally long word that I had the, I guess audacity is the word, to use in a telegram once, and the girl wasn't sure she wanted to send it because she didn't know what it meant, but the word is terminological inexecutedinarian. Now that's a perfectly good, normal, everyday word that you can teach your youngsters. It simply means a liar. One of the most often pronounced long words in the English language is the word that the little colored girl got quite a few thousand dollars for spelling on one of the television programs some years ago, months or years ago, is a word that every Baptist ought to know thoroughly because it's a thoroughly Baptistic word. It's a New Testament word, though you'll not find it in the New Testament. It's the word anti-disestablishmentarianism. Now, that's a perfectly good word, and what does it mean? It came about in 1869 in England. It was a word that was coined to stand for those who opposed the separation of church and state. Now then, you and I, you and I as Baptist people, oppose anything that would bring church and state together into an organic union that would tie us together organically, where the state could tell the church what to do or the church tell the state what to do. So that long 28-letter word is a perfectly good word that you and I ought to know a lot about. Well, you can find a lot of interesting words and a lot of strange words and a lot of peculiar words, and if we pronounced all of these words all day long or just had our vocabulary made up of these very striking words and strange words that few folks could understand, we wouldn't get very far in the world. But there is another kind of language. There is the language of the common man. This book is a common book. It was written in the language of the common man. There is the ancient classical Greek that the tragedies and the plays and much of the oratory that we read of the ancient Greek language in which it is written. But the Greek of the New Testament is the language of the people. It's the language of the everyday. It's the language of the letter writer. It's the letter of the bazaar keeper. It's the letter of the man who sells pottery. It's the letter of the man who tends sheep out on the field. It's the everyday common language of the physician. It's the common language of the man who sails a ship across raging seas. The common everyday little language, the little words that God can speak to a man and that a man can understand. There are many different kinds of language. There are many different ways of saying things. But what is the purpose of language? Language has come about because of the need to communicate. I stand in one place and I have something that I want to say to someone else. I want to convey a thought to someone else. I want to say something. I want to say that I'm hungry. I want to say that I'm tired. I want to say that I have something for them. I want to say I want something from them. And so language grows as a communication medium. Language develops. One word calls for another. Words join together so that things can be explained intelligently. And it's wonderful when we think about the growth of words 
When we think about the growth of vocabulary, when we think of the new words that are added every year through technology and through science to our language, it's wonderful to think of the marvelous languages that men can speak in order to communicate one with another. The purpose of language is mental challenge or mental stimulation. And the great orations of the past, as the orators stood sometimes in pulpits, sometimes on mountainsides, as, as Jesus stood, as great orators stood, sometimes in the public forum, sometime in the Senate or in the Houses of Parliament, but the great orators of the past, as they would lift their voices and speak words that would thrill men and would challenge them until men would be willing to lay down life itself and to go out and to sacrifice until some great cause would come to some great and noble victory. Oh, it's wonderful that there are men who can thrill us, that there are men who can stir us, that there are men who can challenge us, that there are men who can correct our faulty thinking and can help us to think aright by noble and high and lofty oratory. Yes, the words of the orator, how poor we would be if we did not have the orations of the past to study and the orators and the speakers of the present to help us and to challenge us and to lead us to the difficult places of life. The spoken word of the orator, how wonderful it is. How poor we would be indeed without the written word, without the ability to take the spoken word and write it. How poor we would be because then there would be no library shelves full of books and we could pull a book down and read a man's mind who's been dead a thousand years. If we could not write down the language that we speak, if we did not have the written language, then it would be impossible to know the great thoughts of the great philosophers it would be impossible for the scientists or for our doctors and our physicians to be able to build civilization upon civilization. If there is no such thing as the written language, do you realize that every generation would have to start from scratch? That every generation would have to start anew? That every generation would have to start at the beginning all over again? But it's because we have the written language because man is able to have his characters and there transfer somehow mystically, wonderfully, majestically, transfer the thought of his mind into the characters written by a hand or by a machine, put upon paper, preserved in volumes, and bound and kept for generations and for centuries to read and to study. We would be poor indeed, were not for those who give of themselves in the, in the mechanics and the trade and the business of printing, of preserving for us that which other men have thought and other men have written. We ought to be indebted, those of us right here, we ought to be indebted to the noble life of a man like Dr. Frank Lubeck. Dr. Lubeck, who not many months ago sat right over here as he was visiting our city, Dr. Lubach, who has gone into every continent on this globe, and as he goes into the tribes where there is no spoken, no written language, and he listens, and he takes the phonetics, the basic sounds of their speech, and he translates that into a vocabulary for them, into a written language for them. He creates a written language from the spoken language, 
And when that is done, he takes the basic portions of the scripture and he begins to translate it. And the rule of his teaching is this, that everyone who learns to read and write must teach another. Going back to the Bible way, one, get another. Dr. Lubeck has taught millions around the world to read a language of their own that hitherto their forefathers down through the thousands of years have only spoken. Oh, the written word, how indebted we ought to be that we can pick up and read the plays of a man like Shakespeare, that we can read the poems of a mighty Baptist poet like Milton, that we can go again and adventure with Christian under the hand of John Bunyan. Oh, we are indebted to men who know language and who write language and who have sent it down to our age and to our time. And how we rob ourselves, how we cheat ourselves every day, Every day when we spend our time reading only a newspaper or only a little bit out of some news magazine or we depend upon the television or we depend upon radio to convey to us all that we receive in a day, how we rob ourselves when we do not read God's wonderful language, it's the language of the living, how we rob ourselves when we do not spend a little bit of every day reading the choice devotional literature of the centuries past when we do not lift ourselves and elevate our minds and ennoble our own lives in that we do not read some of the great poetry and the great plays of the centuries gone by. Oh, it's here for us, this marvelous language and how we need to avail ourselves of it if we are to grow and to be what God wants us to be. Our scriptures speak much of speaking over in the very beginning Almost at the start of the book of Genesis, we have in the 11th chapter in the first verse these words, and the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. Imagine it, please. No matter where you went, go to the south, go to the north, to the east, to the west, put foot upon any continent upon the face of the globe, go anywhere, sail anywhere, tramp anywhere, ride any beast of burden, anywhere and you can talk to any man regardless of his color regardless of his size regardless of his clothes regardless of his habitation you could speak to him one language one speech everywhere but man in his pride got cocky and man says we have things pretty well under control down here let us in this mighty plain now build some bricks and they fired the kilns and they built they baked their bricks and they began to pile brick one upon the other and the roadway running to the outer side and to build a tower higher and higher and higher until they said, we will conquer heaven itself. But God looked down upon it and God said, lest they come and do this thing that is presumption in their heart and in their lives, we will confound their speech. And later in that 11th chapter of the book of Genesis, this is the verse. Therefore is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth. All language is spoken of, speaking is spoken of, it is written often in God's blessed book. What are the uses of it? Oh, we could spend almost a year at this to look at where God has spoken and how God has spoken. 
but in the very beginning God is and then God speaks we see God using language we hear God's voice thunder out roll out over the void we hear God's voice speak in commanding tones we hear God's voice roll out God speaks and a world comes into existence God speaks and stars are flung out God speaks and the terra firma the elements of the earth come together God speaks under the direction of God under the planning of God God is the architect God is the builder and God is the mighty orator in creation God speaks and it is so oh when will we ever learn that God has within his own power the power to speak miracles in our behalf if we will but trust in him we have the scripture writer recording that God's voice was walking in the garden in the cool of the day we have it spoken that God's voice sounded out amid the lightnings and the thunderings on Sinai where the commandments were written out by God we have again and again and again oh a thousand times in the scripture when the prophets of God stand to speak and they proclaim with chest out and they proclaim with eyes glistening and on fire when they proclaim with a victory in their voice thus saith the Lord and they spoke out not with some puny authority of men not with some halfway house of some university but they spoke out with all of the authority and with all of the assurance that could come to them as they spoke in the name of God thus saith the Lord and the prophets of old spoke in God's name and God used them as instruments of righteousness and God used them as instruments of chastising and God used them as instruments to lead people back to his own high and holy throne but it is only with a thus saith the Lord how difficult it is for us to reach men when we give words that God does not speak how difficult always it is to win men when we say the words that God himself will not speak oh thus saith the Lord is the only message of the Bible thus saith the Lord is the only valid message that a preacher can preach thus saith the Lord is the only word that the orator of God can hope to pronounce that can have the blessing of God upon it yes thus saith the Lord spoke the prophets of old and God blessed them as they spoke for him do you remember what it is written of John the Baptist uh, John the Baptist is described of the one who went ahead the voice of one crying in the wilderness make straight the way of the Lord the forerunner the man with trumpet in mouth to go ahead of the oriental monarch and there to clear the streets and to make straight the path so that the king's chariot could rise with ease and with smoothness John the Baptist the voice of one crying in the wilderness oh how wonderful we see John we think of the language of the Bible in the tear we look at Jeremiah known as the weeping prophet as Jeremiah weeps over the sins of his people we see the tears on Jesus cheek and we see the eloquence in the tear the language of the tear as Jesus looked down over Jerusalem and said oh Jerusalem 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 
Would to God that I could gather thee, and how I would have gathered thee as a chick under my wing, but you would not. You'd stone the prophets, and you kill those that God has sent unto you. And we remember what the scripture writer declares about the use of language when he declares that it is, it is by the foolishness of preaching that men shall be saved. By the foolishness of preaching as men count it foolishness, can a word save? Can a sermon save? Can an oration save? Can it challenge? Can it stir? Can it inspire? But God has so ordained it that, that a man speaking God's word under the power and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, that those words taken out will then bear fruit unto eternal life if a man will accept it and believe it and plant it within his own eternal life. Oh, God's word, this blessed word, it's life. This is God's revelation of himself. You can learn a lot about God out in nature. You can look at the mighty mountains and you can see the beautiful trees and you can study the, the bulbs as they give out of the beautiful flower and you can study roses and you can watch the sunrise and the sunset. You can, you can evaluate and describe and study the tides as the waters of the seas move and it'll tell you that God is, but that does not tell you what kind of a God it is. It does not tell you that God loves you Nature itself cannot tell you that God cares for you. Nature cannot reveal how much God has done for you. It takes this book, this blessed book, the written word, this blessed book given by God, written by God, spoken by God, recorded by God's men. This wonderful book tells us of the character of God. It tells us of the purposes of God. It tells us of the mighty love of God. Oh, this book, this book, we throw it away or we leave it untended and unused to our own harm and to our own hurt. God has made it sure and God has given us the promise that his word shall not return unto him void. Meaning what? Meaning that when we speak his word in visitation, that when we speak his word in communication, that when we speak his word over the back fence, that when we use his word and in seeking to honor and to glorify the Lord Jesus, that word shall not return void, even though it may seem we'll fail, even though many times there will be those who will say, no, I'll not accept, no, and they turn their back on Jesus. We rest in the precious promise that God has made. My word shall not return unto me void. But oh, for just a minute, we must look at God's most eloquent word. God's most eloquent word is the word that John spoke of. It's a word that John wrote about. I love J.B. Phillips' translation of the first chapter of John. Listen exactly how he translates it. At the beginning, God expressed himself. That personal expression was with God and was God and he existed with God from the beginning. That's it. That's it, the personal expression of God. God wanted to tell us how much he loved us. God wanted to tell us what he would do for us. God wanted to express his own heartbeat. God wanted to whisper in our ears of an eternal mighty love. God wanted us to know he cared. 
God wanted us to know that there was a bridge home. God wanted us to know that there was a better way. God wanted us to know that there was victory in our seeming defeat. God wanted us to know that there was a way to stand clean and pure and holy. God wanted to express himself. And God sent his own son into the earth. God, listen again, at the beginning, God expressed himself. That personal expression was with God. That personal expression was God. Yes, Jesus is God telling us all about himself. Jesus uttering the wonderful words of God's concern for us. As, as we hear Jesus teach, as we hear him use words that we can understand, and oh, how we can understand it. I read just this week where our readability and understandability test was given concerning the scripture. And some folks were given the Beatitudes to read and then measured as to how much they retained. And the scale on it was about 1.8, which was excellent. And then they gave these same folks uh, some reading matter, a sermon that some preacher had written explaining the Beatitudes to see how much they could get of that. And the readability was about four point something, meaning what? Meaning that God said it the very best way. Meaning God says it in the most understandable language. Meaning we never go wrong when we go back to God's word and God's book and God's way. Listen to Jesus. Oh, listen to Jesus as he preaches. Look at Jesus as he teaches. Watch him as he performs his miracle and then points all men unto the Father in heaven. Jesus the most eloquent word, Jesus, the divine logos, the expression of God, the living word of God, Jesus, walking in our midst. But the most eloquent word that Jesus ever spoke, the most eloquent words that surrounded the head of Jesus were the words there above his head nailed by Pilate, Pilate above the crucified head, as he said, Jesus, the king of the Jews, and it was written in Hebrew, which was the language of religion. And it was written in Greek, which was the universal language. And it was written in, in Latin, which was the language of authority, or of rule, or of Rome. Oh, we see in this language of the cross more than simply three letters, or three characters, or three languages. There was more language spoken at the cross than Hebrew. There was more language at the cross than Greek. There was much more language at the cross than the Latin there that described him as Jesus, the King of the Jews. For here we have the very thundering tones of God ringing out. Here God is speaking. Here God is breathing. Here God is acting. And the language of the cross is the language of love. It's the love of God to a lost sinner who deserves to die and be cast away into hell. But it's the language of love. It's the language of dedication. As here we see the Son of God with dedicated heart and dedicated life. He gives himself completely in the will of the Father. It's the language of sacrifice. It's the language of understanding. It's the language of victory over death. It's a universal language saying what? saying whoever you are, wherever you live, whatever you do, however deep your 
saying, Oh, it's universal. God says, For you I die. For you I live. Live forever. But what of our words? Oh, we can spend hours and days and weeks upon the words that this book speaks to us about God's word to us. But what about our words? Are our words the language of the living? Can God, can men look at us and can God listen to us and listen to what we say and look at what we write and realize that you and I speak the language of the living or do we speak the language of the dead? Dr. George Benson, who's president of Hardin College over at Searcy, Arkansas, spoke to a group here in Memphis this past week and he made a statement I wrote down and I want to remember. As he said, there is the language of the lie in the world today, the language of the lie as the communists infiltrate into our land, as they try to sell our people and undercut our American democratic way of life. It is the language of the lie, as our young people are being taught lies about the greatness of our nation and about the very foundation stones of our religious liberty and of our economic ability to earn and to keep and to build and to have. Oh, he said there is a language of the lie and how true it is as we hear it every day. But I want to point out to you, please, that there is the language of the living and the Bible speaks of the language of truth. Job declared how forcible are right words and the man who wrote Proverbs declared pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. Appropriate words we find in the Proverbs, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. And the inspiring words that men can speak to us, said the preacher of old, the words of all the wise are as goads that stir us on to do great and noble deeds. Oh, what is in your vocabulary? Can you speak with assurance of God? Can you speak with assurance of peace and forgiveness, knowing it out of personal experience? Can you say heaven and know that heaven is home? Can you speak of comfort and the words that bring comfort when you stand by the side of a grave? Can you say the word power and know that you have power, power that comes from God, power that lifts up and out at the world? cannot understand can you speak the word service and know that because you listen to the voice of God speaking you understand his language that you'll serve where he wants you to serve can you say with that one of oh my Lord and my God oh the my of it is all all important the language of living the language of living and we come back to the text that Dr. Lee read at the beginning of our hour of worship that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Oh, the language of the living is to say no to self and yes to Christ. The language of the living is to confess the Lord Jesus Call the name of the Lord and be saved. To those who look and to those who listen out yonder in the far reaches outside of this building, 
we urge upon you to speak the language of the living, to speak the name of the Lord Jesus in faith and hope and trust, and to live triumphant that because this word is true, your salvation is sure and true. When you confess the Lord Jesus, when you believe on him in your heart and in this house and in this room, what is your language and what is your vocabulary? Are you saying yes to Jesus today? Is yes the word of service? Is yes your word that you will speak to God to say, yes, I'll trust and I'll confess him openly before men. Are you as a Baptist here? And you would say, yes, I want to be in, uh, with God's people. Yes, I want to serve. Yes, I want to march. Yes, I want to live. Yes, yes, yes ought to be in your vocabulary if you're in the land of the living. And we give you that opportunity to come confess Jesus, to come move your membership here. You don't have to have your letter in your hand. Let our clerk write for it. If the church is burned down and the records are gone, we'll accept you on your statement that you're a Baptist, that you love the Lord, you've been baptized. We want you to come and serve the Lord with us. We're going to sing hymn number 200, where he leads me, I will follow. And as we stand and sing, come, come this morning in any way we receive you. All right. Oh.